Thanks for joining us for Open Bible Online today. Open Bible Baptist Church has been in South Jersey for over 60 years. We love this community and we want to be a help to you. In order to help us help you in the best way possible, would you do us a favor? Please fill out the digital connection card posted in this link. Here you could post prayer requests and also ask any questions you may have about Open Bible. If you'd like to give today, you could give online in less than two minutes. Visit openbiblenj.org for more information. Thanks again for joining us today. Now enjoy the service. Morning, church. Let's see this morning. Those that are visiting, we say good morning to you. Welcome to Open Bible. Glad you chose to worship with us today. And I know we have some guests with us today, and we really honored to have you here. And then if you're visiting with us online this morning, we welcome you. And uh, trust that maybe if you're ever in our area, come by and visit with us personally. That'd be a real blessing. But it's sure nice to have you with us today. Hey, let me invite you to join me in Psalm 127 this morning. Psalm 127 as we continue our study on family. Family. And uh, I guess it's been now maybe, oh, I don't know, three, maybe, maybe four weeks that we've been discussing uh, the family and looking at, looking at snapshots in the Bible, right? And uh, we started way back in the book of Genesis a few weeks ago, and we took a look at a family that was led by a man named Isaac. You remember that discussion, right? He had a wife named Rebecca, a couple of twin sons, Jacob and Esau. And, uh, and you know, the, the more we looked at that family, the more we, we kind of we concluded that, take this for what it's worth, they were a mess. You know, they, they, just, they were just messed up. You know, and every once in a while, uh, families get messed up, right? And Isaac and his family were messed up. In fact, we, we said this, they might be uh, a good picture of an Old Testament family that was dysfunctional. Did you ever hear that term before? I never knew I was dysfunctional until I found out I was dysfunctional, you know? And uh, come to realize it's not really a modern day term, dysfunctional. It just kind of it kind of it kind of implies that things are not functioning properly, and when you looked at the family of of Isaac and Rebecca, certainly they were not functioning properly, right? And then we moved on, and last week we took a look at what what's called the nuclear family, you know. And and again, that's not a that's not a modern term, nuclear family. That was coined back in the twenties, nineteen twenties, the nuclear family, and basically. No, what the nuclear family implies is just the core family members, right? And back in, back in the day when they coined that phrase, uh, nuclear family, uh, it was made up of, now pay attention right here, it was made up of a father, a mother, and some kids. Say amen right there. Um, we would probably have said this if we were to uh, relabel it, we'd say the traditional family. And when you speak about the traditional family, and I'm not saying just members here at Open Bible or members of the family of God, but even in society, when they speak about the traditional family, they have something in mind. They have a set pattern in mind. And what they're speaking about is a father, a mother, and some kids, right? That's a traditional family. Well, we noticed how that's been amended. And now what's, what's been called the traditional family is really the modern family. The modern family. And the modern family is made up of, now pay attention right here, a modern family is made up of 
uh, two adults. Did you catch the difference? No, you didn't. You sure? Two adults, and those two adults could be two men. And those two adults could be two, two, two women, right? And, and children that might or might not be boy or girl. You didn't catch that. They might or might not be boy or girl because today, gender is decided by the individual. Come on, man, you know that's true. And it's okay, we're in a safe environment. You can say, we're not even live streaming right now, so you won't get caught, you know? And I would say this, and I'm trying to be polite. Boy, that's a mess. That's a mess. And so the whole, I think everything comes down to this. What does, what does God have to say? You know, what does God have to say? And I, I've selected Psalm 127 uh, on purpose this morning. I want you to join me there, verse number one. And, and let's read, I'll read out loud. You just read along with me. It says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city. The watchman waketh but in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, sit up late, eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. Verse 3, lo, children are heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. As arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. Happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but... They shall speak with the enemies in the gate. Go to, chapter, go to Psalm 128, look at verse 3. He said, Thy wife shall be as a fruitful vine by the sides of thine house, thy children like olive plants round about thy table. Verse uh, 6, Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children. Talking about grandkids now. Nothing like grandkids. Isn't that right? Kids make you poor, grandkids make you rich. Yea, thou shalt see thy children's children and peace. Upon Israel. Now, I selected that text this morning on purpose. And, and it's basically because of the, the first verse of chapter 127, Psalm 127, where he said, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Did you see that? Except the Lord build the house. And you know, when you analyze, and we did over the last couple of weeks, when you analyze the modern family, when you take a look at it, and we didn't do, I mean, we didn't go in depth, but we, we looked at enough of it to conclude uh, that something's lacking. Something's lacking. When you look at the family today out in society, something's lacking. And I would say this, what's lacking is uh, some structure. You know, the modern family today is, is lacking structure and, and it's lacking information. You know what information is? Information is know-how. They say that information is power. It is if it's the right information. And if you use it in the right way, it's powerful. And I, and I can go on. I can, just, I can just give you a list of things that I feel that are lacking. But I would come to one conclusion. What's really lacking is God. I mean, to tell you, when you look at the modern family, when you look at the family today, what seems to be lacking most of all is God in that family. You know, relationship, a personal relationship with God by father, mother, and kids. And when you, when you eliminate God from the equation, you're going to have a mess. 
Things get messy. Say amen right there, church. Things get messy. And I guess as we looked over the past couple of weeks at you know, these different families in the Bible and what's going on in society, it, it revealed that there's a real lack and real neglect on behalf, of the, uh, on behalf of the family. And so Psalm 127, 128, you know they're companion psalms. They're to be read together. They were composed uh, together. And, and really the emphasis of Psalm 127, 128, if you read with me, is family. Isn't that right? And basically, basically here, uh, what it focuses on is how to have, now pay attention right here, how to have a healthy family, how to have a happy family, how to have a godly family. Isn't that what we want? Isn't that our desire? Those of you who are raising children, and I look out, many of you raising children, you know, it's a wonderful thing to raise kids in God's economy. You know, sometimes we say this, I, I remember hearing myself saying, man, I, I tell you what, kids being raised in this world, it's, well, I, I, why? But you know what? When you raise them in God's economy, when you raise them God's way, it doesn't make a difference what culture you're raising them in. It wasn't easy back in Noah's day, and it's not easy in our day, but when you raise them according to the word of God, it makes all the difference. Isn't that right? And so what, what, Psalm 127, 128 Kind of gives us a snapshot. I love what he says, except the Lord build the house. And so in essence, what he's saying there is this, God will give us all the help we need in order to build a healthy, happy, godly home. And that's what we want. That's what we want here at Open Bible. And that's what I want in my life. I know that's what God wants for us as well. And so you know what he does? Now pay attention right here. He lends us his help. God lends us his help, and he gives us his help through his word and through his spirit. And you know what we'd say uh, what we need to do is we need to learn. Now, pay attention. We need to learn how to double listen. Did you ever hear that term before, double listening? Anybody ever hear that term before? Sure you have. We do it all the time. We listen to two different conversations. You know who's really good at that? Don't take offense. Who's really good at that is women. Right? I, I try. I really do. I can be, you know, Dave, I can be talking to you, and all of a sudden, you know, Cherie, uh, uh, Shay's talking to somebody, and man alive, I'm trying to pay attention, but I can't do it. You know, my brain just focuses, but for some reason, my wife can listen to multiple, I mean to tell you, she knows exactly what I'm saying while she's talking to somebody else. I absolutely, positively adore that about her. Yeah. Right? And so, but as Christians, we need to learn how to double listen. We need to listen to the word of God and the spirit of God because the word of God and the spirit of God always work in harmony. Spirit of God will never lead you contrary to the word of God. Say amen right there. And the word of God will always, will always be utilized by the spirit of God in leading us. So they work hand in hand. Right? And so God lends us his help. And what he does through his word, through his spirit, he gives us the tools to have, say with me, class, a healthy, happy, godly family. Yeah. So here's what I did, did, did for us. I developed a list from scripture. I developed the list of, of qualities that I believe will help you and I, that God gives to us, that will help us to have a healthy, happy, godly home. And today and next week, I'm going to share the list with you. Okay, you good? You good with that? Let me give you the first one on the list. I want you to notice this. When God builds the home, there's leadership. There's leadership. 
leadership. Uh, listen to what the Bible says here, Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. Look at the screen. He said, for I know him. Now, this is the Lord speaking about a fellow named Abraham. For I know him. And here's what he says. I, I know him. He will command his children and his household after him. Basically, that word command there means lead. So God is saying this about Abraham. I know Abraham, and Abraham will lead his family in the right path, in the right way. And look what it says. And they shall keep the way of the Lord. Isn't that good? So I know him. I know as a father. I know as, as a man. I know as a husband that he will lead his family in the way of the Lord. He's going to lead them to keep the way of the Lord. Isn't that good? I want to tell you something this morning. If you get nothing else, I want you to get this. God knows you. God knows you. Say amen right there. God knows. I want you to say this with me. You ready? God knows me. One, two, three. He knows you. In fact, he knows you better than you know you. <laughs> you ever, I like that song. He knows my name. Did you ever sing that? I love that song. That's a great song. He knows more than my name. He knows everything about me. He knows what I like and what I don't like. He knows what I say and what I really meant to say. He knows what I should do and what I don't do. Why? Because he knows me, right? And I wish he, I wish it could be said, I wish if, John, you were to talk to the Lord and you'd say this, uh, so, 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 Lord, tell me a little bit about Pastor Genizzi. I wish he'd say, I know him, and I know that he's going to do the right thing. I don't really know if he'll say that to you, because it all depends on what you ask him about. Will he do the right thing when he's driving down Black Horse Pike and somebody cuts him off? He might say, John, that's up in the air. It all depends on what day it is. Are you with me? Huh? But I would hope, I would hope that there are some things that you and I have decided on that, that are unmovable. They're, we're unbudgeable. We're not going to be swayed or influenced by anyone or anything. Matters not what cultural day we live in. Say amen right there. And so the Lord here is saying this about Abraham, he's going to take the lead in the right way. He's going to, he's going to, look what he says there, keep the way of the Lord. And by the way, that's not just good for a husband or a father. That's good for each of us as Christians in society to keep the way of the Lord. Right? That's something we need to decide on. But I, but I want you to listen to this statement and don't judge me. Uh, leadership in the home is not just for the male position. Let me, let, me, let me quantify that statement. It's not just for the husband or father or man to lead in the home. No, I think this. I think leadership is a family quality. Did you get that? Leadership is a family quality. And I think there are times, there are times when we just need to lead in our area of authority. Do you know what that means? That means at times, at times, uh, the mother, the wife, the woman needs to lead. She needs to take the lead. Huh? Um, uh, there are times when uh, a child needs to take the lead. Maybe the older sibling needs to take the lead. Are you with me? How many of you understand what I'm saying? I mean, there's two, you know, you got, uh, can I, do you mind? You got Tyler and Clay. Tyler's older. Clay's a little younger. Clay's about to do something that maybe he shouldn't do, maybe hurt himself. And Ty says, no, no, don't do that. Wouldn't it be foolish for Ty not to say anything and say, well, I'm not his father. No, but you're his brother, and as his older brother, you have a place of authority. 
Hey, there are times when the dog needs to take the lead. I mean, to tell you, if there's a prowler in the backyard and all my dog does is look and he's getting kicked out, man. Now, I want him barking to make me aware somebody's in my backyard. And so leadership is a family thing. We take, a, we take leadership in the area of authority that we've been given. Does that make sense? Huh? Uh, but listen to this. I want to back it up with this thing. Leadership is not the same as headship. Ooh. Somebody say, so everybody ought to take leadership in the area that they have authority in, whether the older brother or the older sister or your mom, correct? My mother would say every once in a while, wait till your father comes home after she already beat the snot out of me. (laughs) What in the world? I'm going to get double, you know? And when my father comes, she'd tell him and and my father would say, did she already get you? "Uh Uh-huh. Okay, it's good enough. Because my mother handled me much better than my father, you know? And uh, so, but, but you take, however, leadership and headship are not the same. Not the same. In fact, the Bible teaches this. God's ordained the man, the husband, the father to be the head. I mean, just look at it here. Uh, God's speaking about the family of Abraham. He says, for I know her, that she will command her family after her. No, that's not what the Bible says. Maybe that's the Queen James Version, but not the King James Version. For there it says, I know him. Why? Because God has given the authority in the home, the headship of the home, to the father, to the husband, to the man. Are you with me? Uh, You remember the story with Isaac and Rebecca? You remember how things got messed up when Rebecca said to Jacob, listen to what I can, you do exactly like I tell you to do. She got out of her lane. And guess what happened? Uh, she participated. She, uh, she uh, uh, helped the whole problem. She, she you know, led the problem you know, get a little bit worse than it was. Why? Because she got out of her lane. Are you with me? And so uh, leadership at times takes teamwork. And we can take this, uh, this thought right here on leadership and make it a standalone message. There's a lot that can be said there. Right? We talk about the role of a husband, the role of a wife, the role of children, the role of extended family members. So if you have grandma or grandpa living with you or aunt, aunt and uncle living with you, they have a role in the home. Are you with me? That's a standalone message. But what I'm trying to say right now, when you look at a home where God's involved, where the home is being built by the Lord, there's certainly leadership qualities there. Would you agree? Huh? All right, let me give you a second thought, because i, I got to keep it moving. Uh, the second thought would be this. When God builds a home, there's submission. There's submission. Look here. If leadership is a family quality, submission is a family quality. You see the Bible? Ephesians 5, 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Huh? Now, if you've been around church for any length of time, here's what you know. Husband, you lead. Wife, you submit. And we we forget to talk about the fact that submission is a quality that all of us must embrace. Correct? It's a family thing. Uh, Every member of the family, in fact, God's family for that member, uh, for for that matter, needs to have a submissive spirit. So what does it mean to be submissive? That's the question. 
correct? What does it mean? Let me give you a working definition. You ready? The word submissive implies a willingness to conform to the authority of. Did you get that? A willingness to conform to the authority of. So if we keep that, if we keep that in the home, everyone, if everyone in the home shares in the leadership role, then everyone in the home needs to share in the submissive role. Correct? So uh, let me go back here. So uh, Clay is about to do something that he maybe can get him in trouble or maybe even be dangerous. Ty comes along. He's the older brother and says, Clay, Clay, we shouldn't be doing that. And Clay says, get out of my face, man. Well, that's not very submissive. Huh? But if Clay, now Clay's got a younger sister. He's got, the next one would be Hope. Correct? So when it comes to authority, you know, here's Hope. Hope's going to walk out into the yard, and there's a stray dog out there. And Clay says, Hope, don't go out there. You don't know that dog. He's taking authority. Right? And that's good. That's a wonderful thing. And I'm sure the Austins have taught their kids to do that very thing. However, you know, when Ty says, please don't do that, Clay needs to say, you're right. When Clay says to Hope, don't do that or don't go out there, what am I saying? There needs to be leadership, but also submission to the leadership. Does that make sense? And again, again, this could be a freestanding message all by itself, you know, on a Sunday morning. Or we just talk about leadership, where we just talk about being submissive to uh, the leadership or the authority that's over you. And that's for every one of us, you know? And if you take it in, if you take it into reality, we need to begin being submissive to the Lord. Correct? Do you know why, you know why there's there's a there, there, there's rebellion in homes? Because there's family members in homes that are not submissive to the Lord. Right? Take it back to the family of Isaac. You remember, you remember the Lord said to Isaac and Rebekah, the elder will serve the younger? You remember that? I mean, when these twins were being born, you know, the Lord just whispered and said, hey, in the future here, uh, the older one is going to serve the younger one. Or in other words, we're going to put the anointing upon the younger son. But you know what Isaac said in his later days? Mm -mm -mm. You need to go out. He called an Esau and he said to Esau, you need to go out and, 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 and kill a deer and make me some of that stew that you know I like. I'm going to eat the stew and then I'm going to put the blessing upon you. Remember that? So what was he doing? He was not being submissive. So because dad got out of line, guess what happens? Mom calls in, mom's eavesdropping, and she hears what's going on. She calls in Jacob, the younger son, and says, hey, here's what we need to do. We need to go in and deceive your dad. What? And she said to him, she looked him in the eye and said, boy, she said, boy, you do exactly like I tell you. That's it. When you read between the lines, that's what she said. Listen to, how, you know, to my voice as I can. You better do exactly like I tell you. And so instead of him saying, Mom, this ain't right. Man, Dad, you know, we, we're going to get... No, he says, but what if Dad finds out? So now he's out of his lane. Where did it start? When one member stops submitting themselves to the Lord. Are you with me? Look here. When you look at a home that God is involved in, you know, we, we love to hang up, you know, the, the plaques and, and the little sayings, you know, you know, uh, you know, God is Lord here and, you know, a family that prays together and you walk in, you know, this house is run by God. But is he? Is he? Just because we wear a cross around our neck doesn't make us a Christian. Hello? 
And just because we say that we have a godly home doesn't mean it is. When you look at it, are there some qualities or characteristics that resemble what God would do in the Scriptures? See, when you look at a home that God builds, there's leadership and there's submission. Can I give you another one? There's communication. Communication. When God builds a home, the qualities of leadership, submission, and communication are visible. Let's talk a little bit about, about communication, shall we? Are you with me? All right, you don't want to communicate. Are you with me? There you go. That helps me. You know, communication is vital in relationships, right? Back in the day when we used to have um, counseling before young couples got married, back in the day, back in the day, because today, you know, everybody just does whatever they want to do. But back in the day, you know, what we used to counsel as pastors, we used to counsel this, that in order to have a healthy marital relationship, you must have good communication skills. So develop your communication skills. We used to teach that all the time. Right. Uh, and we often try to communicate the importance of communication, but at times something gets lost in the communication. Huh? And that's because at times, at times we at times what we say and how we say it hinders. Pay attention right here. Communication. Let me say that one more time. At times, what we say and how we say it hinders the communication. Communication is not a one-way street. In order to communicate, somebody needs to say something, the other person needs to hear it. That was revelation, wasn't it? You know what I pray on Sundays? Lord, help me to say exactly what you want me to say. Help the people to hear exactly what you want them to hear, because if the preacher and the audience line up, guess what happens? Something divine, something supernatural. Somebody might get help. Somebody might get saved. Somebody might be revived. I mean, to tell you, the church might be set on fire if the preacher says what God wants them to say and the people hear what God wants them to hear. And if the stars line up. Huh? Amen? Well, such is true in relationships. We need to be able to say the right thing at the right time the right way, right person. Think about it. For communication to really be healthy, you need to say the right thing at the right time in the right way to the right person. Oh, that's bigger than you're letting on. Because most of the time, communication breaks down because of time, tone, and thought. You ought to write that down. All you newlyweds, you ought to write that down. Time, time, uh, tone, and thought. Right? And that means this. You say the right thing to the, uh, at the right time in the right way to the right person. True? And by the way, that's good everywhere. That'll work at church. Right? If I got something, uh, 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 John, if I got something to say, to Brian, why in the world am I going to come and talk to you about it? That's the wrong person. So guess what's going to happen? Communication is going to break down because now when Brian finds out that I talked to John about what I need to talk to him about, we're going to have a breakdown in communication. Come on, man. You know that's true. 
But then maybe I come along and I, and I say to Brian, you know, Brian, I, I don't know why in the world you keep doing what you... Man, that, that's the wrong tone. That's the wrong tone. And immediately he's going to put up what's called a defense mechanism. And he's going to say to himself, who in the world does this guy think he is talking to me like that? Hello? Right? Yeah. So wrong person, wrong tone. And then maybe, maybe I don't have, are you paying, paying good attention? Maybe I just don't have all the facts. That's thought. I have not taken the time to gather all the intelligence before I go to him. And I say, Brian, you got a minute? Yeah, man, I'm, I tell you what, brother, I'm, I'm just hearing this. And, and Brian says, after I'm finished, you know, my 15-minute spiel, preacher, that's not, that's just not the way it happened. What do you mean? And then he gives me his side of the story. And I want to just fall into a black hole and hide. Did you ever happen to you? Come on now. Huh? Right? And then how about this? Brian's coming in with his family. He's looking forward to worshiping God. Had a rough week. In fact, just had a death in the family. And all of a sudden, man, we got to get, get it off our chest. And so he's walking in the back door. I'm waiting for him. He walks in the back door. My beeline to him. Brian, I'm going to tell you something. You ever do that again? This is not the right time to do that. So guess what? We do it at church and we do the same thing at home. I said this last week. I, 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 let me, I almost, almost said many times, but it wasn't many times. I would be lying. But times, there have been times when I've had to go to one of my children and apologize to them. Either for tone, my tone, right? Or uh, I didn't have all the intelligence. Did you ever do that to your kid? Huh? I mean to tell you, you know, they, you, you go in, you find their piggy bank is broken, and you thought for sure, man, they're out buying candy when they were out buying you a Father's Day card. You jump all over that. I'm tired of, John, I'm tired of paying your dental bills because of all those Skittles and all that junk you keep eating. Well, you broke your candy, your piggy bank to buy more candy. What's wrong with you? And he's got this little thing behind his back, and you're just yelling at him and yelling at him. What did you do with that money, son? Happy Father's Day, Dad. <laughs> uh, come on, man. I know it's funny, and I try to make light of it, but that happens all the time in our homes. And we wonder why there's no communication. We wonder why our sons, our daughters, go to other people when they have problems. Because they're afraid to come to us. Because of time and tone and thought. Help me here. Look here. Communication in the family is vital. And I know we like to say this to our kids, hey, you can tell me anything. And they're thinking, I ain't telling you nothing. This time I told you something, you beat me silly, or you punished me for a month, or you took away all my liberties. I'm not telling you anything. Why? Well, because we've not properly communicated with them. And I'm not saying, look here, I'm not saying, you know, just be a pushover. I'm not saying just walk around like, hey, sada, sada, and everything's going to be straightened out in heaven. No, there's got to be structure, and there's got to be. But communication is vital, and families need to communicate. You know what we've lost? Let me tell you what. We've lost family time. We've lost the family table. Huh? We lost it. It started back with TV dinners. The only people laughing? are those that are old. 
Look here, young people. There was a time when, when we used to sit around the table at 5 o'clock or 6 o'clock and have dinner together. Now I know what happens. You go in, you fix the plate, you go and sit in front of the tube or in front of your tablet or in front of your phone. And guess what? It's not a big deal because mom and dad's in front of their tube or tablet or phone. Help me here. And we, we've lost some of the things that I think were vital to helping us to become, you know, what God would have us to be as a home or as a family. You know? And today it's all been substituted with social media. Correct? Huh? Well, we, we need to be careful because social media is not a good substitute for communication. Right? So, you know, we, 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 we've taken a look over the past several weeks at the home in the Bible and, you know, it's dysfunctional and, and man, it's, you know, it's just, it's just not traditional anymore. What can we do? Well, when you look at, you know, God's involvement, when you look at a home that God is involved in, there's leadership and there's submission and there's communication. Can I give you, I got, I got like a couple more minutes. Can I give you one more? Forgiveness. When you look at a house, a home that God is building, I'll guarantee you, you'll see forgiveness. Look at the, look at the text. Look at that Bible verse. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. Forgiveness. Right? So when you look at, and by the way, that's not just for the church. That's for each of us as individuals. And it's for the home. It's for the family. Learning how to forgive. That's good counsel, but it's a staple for home life. It's a staple. And I don't want to highlight the forgiveness part. Notice, be kind one to another. What? Don't you think that's necessary? Huh? You ever see your kids being unkind to each other? You know, they get a snack and man, you know, Ty and Clay sitting there, you're just perfect. I'll pay you after the service. You know, Ty, what's your favorite snack food? I know it's much. Give me one of your top-notch Cheetos. Who? Purple Doritos. Is that the spicy chili one? Oh, I love those. I knew that purple bag, man. It's great, great. I love it. And so, Clay, do you like purple? Do you like the purple bag of Doritos? So they're his favorite. And so, man, they're sitting down. Ty's got him a big old bag. I mean, he's got the super-duper family-sized bag. It's that, the bag's that big. There's only that many chips in there, but the bag's that big. <laughs> Right? You've been duped, haven't you, by the bag? And so, man, Clay comes in. Oh, my favorite, too. Give me one. Ty says, you ain't getting none of these, boy. Get out of here. Got a whole bag, Ty. Come on. Did that ever happen? <laughs> I go come into the room. I got my favorite something, something. I asked my wife before I went to the kitchen, you want anything? I don't want nothing. I come in. What do you got? I ain't got nothing. I didn't bring enough to share with you. Yeah. Are you with me? Yeah, now I'm preaching, right? Come on. Yeah. Woo. Let's get off the kind part and let's look at the forgiving part. That kind part's convicting to forgiving one another. The forgiving one. And notice, notice if you would, um, there's a simple equation here. He says, forgiving one another, look at, look at how it works, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. How in the world can I forgive you, John, by reminding myself that Jesus has forgiven me? 
Now, I know I can probably do a, a, a seminar, a conference. On, I can counsel you on forgiveness from Monday to Saturday. But I'll guarantee you this. It doesn't get any simpler. And it'll all come back to this. We forgive because we've been forgiven. Period. You've heard it said many times. Forgiveness isn't for the other person. It's for you. I, they're all cute little cliches. And it's true. But the fact of the matter is, the reason I forgive is because I'm forgiven. Look, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Does that mean if I don't forgive, he's not going to forgive me? No, that's not what that means. It just means this. If I don't forgive, I'm going to be out of fellowship with him. And out of fellowship with you. And that unforgiveness is going to begin to boil in me to the point where one day it's going to last so long, I'm going to forget what you even did to cause me to be offended. And now when you say, Pastor, why are you so upset at me? I'll say, John, I don't remember, but I can't stand you. You did something. And that happens in families all the time. You don't believe how many, how many families I counsel with who has fathers and mothers who haven't, please don't let me, I don't want to hurt anybody, who hasn't spoken to their children in years. Children who have just written off the parents. And really, it's gotten, it's been so, I mean, you're really, you fabricated the reason. The reason's become so now, help me here. Wouldn't it have been easier just dealt with it then? Huh? Families. Now, I get it. Not everybody, not everyone has accepted God's forgiveness. I, I, I get it. However, it's there. Right? Jesus says, it's there. All you got to do is just call out. Right today, if you've yet to accept his forgiveness, it's available. It's available to you. And by the way, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a one for all. Uh, look, uh, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you, uh, it's a one-time deal. Uh, I like what it says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God. That's the way we forgive, just like we've been forgiven. Think about it. There's no requirements. There's no steps involved. There's no penance. John comes along and says, Preacher, uh, I apologize. I, I need your forgiveness. I say, John, all right, so if you want my forgiveness, here's what you need to do. No, no steps involved, no requirements, no penance. When you came to Jesus and, and you said, Lord, forgive me, he said, okay, go, go back and tell your, your brother and your sister, and then remember that money you stole from your grandmother when you were just five, go back and give it. No, just forgiven. Now, I might have to go back and make right, but I'm forgiven. And that's the way forgiveness is, especially in the family. I'll forgive you, boy, but we'll make sure you, you know, I'll keep an eye on you now. You don't do this again. You may want to keep an eye on him so he doesn't do it again, but they've got nothing to do with, with, with forgiveness. Are you with me? So when you look at a home that God is involved in, where God's presence is, where God is working, you see leadership and submission, you see communication, you see forgiveness. It's all there. It's all there. And isn't that what we want? Because when you, when, you, when you allow God to work in your family, it becomes healthy and happy and eventually godly. <laughs> Have a godly home. Right? Are you with me? I hope so. So where do we begin? Let me give a couple of suggestions. Here's what, here's what you do. Evaluate deficiency. Huh? I'll give you something to take out the door. Evaluate deficiency. Go ahead and take a look at your home. And maybe, I mean, maybe you're just the only parent. Maybe you're the only safe parent. 
It's got to start someplace, right? Got to start somewhere. And so evaluate deficiency. Take a look at, man, why is my house, why is my home so unhealthy, so unhappy? What's wrong? Evaluate deficiency. Does that make sense? And then I think we need to develop a plan for improvement. Now we're just, we're just, we just got, go ahead, guys. We're just not communicating well. Develop a plan, fellas. There you go. We weren't communicating. Maybe we're just not, you know, communicating as a family. What do we do? Well, let's develop a plan. Maybe let's do this. A couple nights a week, we're going to have family time. We're not going to sit in front of the TV. We're going to sit at the table. And let's talk. Huh? And talking isn't this. Uh, Brian, would you please explain to me why, again, you got a demerit at school? That's not communicating. That The family table is not the time to do that. Do that later on. You know, so Brian, how, how, how was everything today at school? Everything go good? Tell me about what, you playing sports. What's happening with that teacher? You know, that teacher still, you know, got her hair like twisted and weird and. Be real for once, would you? Huh? Be real. Look here. You, you, you mean to tell me you don't, you don't recognize unusual? You don't recognize weird? Come on, man. Your kids know it. And every once in a while, I might say to my son, did you see what she was wearing? Does not, I guess she doesn't own a mirror. Huh? You know what that does? It breaks the ice. Huh? Are you with me? Come on, man. I think every once in a while, we got to give the impression to our children that we're perfect. Look here, they already know you're not. Why do you think they have so many problems? Because they came from you. Develop a plan for improvement. And then finally, invite everyone to take ownership. Invite everyone to take ownership. Everyone in the home, just take ownership. Right? We got to work on our communication skills. Let's take ownership of this. You know? You know what the, the, the refrigerator is good for? Reminders. You know what we used to do when we were raising kids, right, Don? I used to type things out, put them on the fridge. Why? Because there were times when I wouldn't see the kids, but I knew they were going to see the refrigerator. They might do their best to you know, avoid me, but they're not going to avoid that refrigerator. So I put little love notes on the fridge. Hey, son, remember, today's Tuesday. Put the trash out! All capital letters, you know. That's, that means you're screaming, right? Put the trash out! Hey, Nicole, I love you. And it'd be nice if you cleaned your bedroom once this, this year. No, I wouldn't do that. Close, but not them specifically. Just little love notes, you know? Hey, let's remember, tonight we're meeting at 5 o'clock for dinner. Mom's making a great meal. and we're... Invite everyone to take ownership. you got to do something. You just can't give in. Huh? It's not the norm. Oh, it may be the norm in society, but it's not what God would have us to have. Amen? I'll give you three more of these qualities next time we meet. Amen? Now, if the Lord comes back between now and next week, I'll continue this next Sunday morning in heaven. And if I'm there and you're not, I don't know what to tell you, but good luck down here. <laughs> I love you, church. Thank you for being such a, just a great group of people. I enjoy preaching to you. I really do. I know you're listening, and I trust this is being a blessing to you. And I try to work hard to make it communicable. I try to work hard to make it practical because speaking over your head doesn't help. 
right? Giving you fancy words doesn't help, you know? And so I, I just trust we'll take this truth and apply it where we can. And if your grandparents like me and our kids are already raised, hey, our family still needs us to be active and influential in their lives. Amen? Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you that we get a chance to open it and, uh, and discern it, learn it, and then apply it into our lives. We thank you for being so good to us and giving us grace, enablement, and, and mercy. They just follow us around and always there to help and protect and guide and direct. Thank you. And I would pray for our families here at Open Bible that you help us to be healthy and, and happy and godly, strong and committed and willing to advance what we would consider to be uh, the blueprint for a godly family. Help us to be actively engaged in following your word. Help us to be dual listeners, double listening to the word of God and the spirit of God that will guide us in the right way. Help us, I pray, to apply these truths to our family, to our lives. And Lord, if there's someone here this morning who has yet to trust Jesus Christ as their personal savior, if they're not sure that when it's their time to depart from earth, that they'll go to heaven, I would pray today they would consider how important it is to make that decision just come and learn of all that Jesus Christ has done for them on the cross at Calvary and be saved. God, we're here to help. Help you, help them come to a saving knowledge. Help them today to be convinced of their need. We pray in Jesus' name. Thanks again for watching us online today. If you haven't done so already, please fill out a digital connection card so we know how to better serve you this week. For encouragement throughout your week, you can listen to past sermons by searching Open Bible Baptist Church on the Apple Podcast or Google Play Store. If you'd like to give today, you could give online at openbiblenj.org. Thanks again for joining us today. We'll see you on the next broadcast.